Welcome. This is the first of our Talking CE podcast. We begin the series looking at the challenges multinational businesses operating across CE face as they look to return to scale in the immediate aftermath of COVID-19. In this first episode, we look at the various forms of temporary relief offered by governments, central banks, other regulators in the region as part of the emergency measures introduced during the COVID-19 pandemic. And more than three months it is, we will also ask what happens next. I have three fellow team leaders with me here today. Margot Schellenbrenskos, who is heading the regional competition and state aid team. Andrei Poshmyak, who is not only our managing partner in Warsaw, but also uh, heading our regional tax operations. And Mark Siegel, who is the regional head of the finance team. So let's kick off. Magosha, what financial measures are available across CE in terms of COVID-related aid? Thank you, Dora. There is a variety of support measures available in the region. Uh, the governments are trying to keep companies in business uh, and in particular to address liquidity problems and save jobs. And for this, they are doing basically three things. Uh, firstly, they're exempting companies from navigation to pay uh, their usual bills. Uh, secondly, they're giving money to those in need. And uh, thirdly, they're lending money or helping to arrange credit from banks or financial institutions. So the available forms of support in the region include, for example, various public payments advantages, so suspension of payments of corporate and value-added taxes or social contributions. Secondly, direct grants and subsidies, for example, wage subsidies, a popular measure in a lot of CEE countries. Uh, and thirdly, subsidized public loans with favorable interest rates um, provided either directly by states or channeled through banks. Uh, or state guarantees on loans taken from banks to make sure that banks continue to provide financing to, to companies. So a lot to choose from. Uh, CMS has put together an expert guide on coronavirus state aid that provides uh, useful information about uh, various support measures in particular CEE countries. Are there any differences between different countries? But the differences uh, are sometimes quite significant uh, because although there is European money involved here, for example, there is um, some of the programs are co-financed co by the European Structural Fund, uh, the main funding comes from national budgets. So the support programs are national programs adopted by individual member states. Uh, and they differ, both in terms of what types of measures are available and the size of the aid, in terms of how much money a particular country allocates to such programs. So how big is the state aid usually? If we look at the proportion of the support to the gross domestic product, uh, then according to the report prepared by the ING Bank, uh, it is Hungary which has the biggest support package uh, in the CEE region. It amounts to 13.6% of the Hungarian GDP. The second uh, biggest is the Czech package, 12.3%. Uh, and the third one is the Polish one, uh, with uh, announced measures of 11.3% of the Polish GDP. On the opposite end of the scale, we have countries like, for example, Romania, 
where enterprises program equals to as little as 3.2% of the GDP. So the differences are quite significant. Indeed. And I know that the EU monitors uh, the aid very carefully. Uh, So do all the new measures require prior notification to the Commission? Uh, No. Some of the support measures are not state aid within the meaning of, of, of the EU law. And they may be put in place without the Commission being involved. Uh, these are a general, not selective measures which apply to all businesses. Uh, for example, generally available wage subsidies, uh, again, generally available suspension of payments of taxes, etc. Measures that fall under the definition of state aid uh, will need to be notified as a matter of principle with some exceptions such as the minimis aid. However, if they are granted based on the wider governmental schemes, uh, then this scheme will usually be notified and cleared by the Commission. And then aid granted under such a scheme does not need its own separate notification. What is important in response to the COVID pandemic, the European Commission adopted so-called temporary framework to give member states more flexibility uh, under state aid rules so that they can um, support their economies. This document provides for the description of uh, measures that the Commission will accept, um, along with uh, the set of rules and conditions for, for such acceptance. For companies that receive state support, uh, the most important thing is to verify whether it falls under a program that has been notified and cleared by the Commission and whether all the relevant requirements of this program are met. If not, and no individual notification is done, uh, the Commission may consider the support to be illegal and may order it uh, uh, to be recovered. Uh, In that situation, it is the beneficiary who has to pay the full amount back together with interest, and the member state is obliged to seek this recovery. So it, uh, the sanctions can be really quite striking. And how about capital contributions? Is such form of support allowed at all? Are we seeing different approaches to capital contributions among the countries? Yes, the temporary framework clearly allows the support in the form of equity. However, given that this measure may be highly distorted for competition, uh, First of all, the Commission considers it uh, to be a measure of last resort, so it will be accepted only if no other appropriate solution can be found. And uh, there are a lot of conditions for the use of it. Uh, This concerns the state's entry, remuneration, governance provisions, and exit from the equity. And the latter is a crucial element. Uh, The Commission even requests the introduction of a so-called step-up mechanism uh, that increases the state's remuneration uh, over time to incentivize the beneficiary to buy back the investment. Um, The capital contribution support is not the most popular instrument. Not many CE countries decided to introduce it. One of the examples is the Hungarian scheme uh, for the provision of equity uh, open to all companies and sectors. Another example is the Polish recapitalization scheme, accepted um, actually quite recently. It's a 1.65 billion euro program managed by uh, the Polish Development Fund. Um, 
for the parties of choice in large companies and larger, small and, 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 and medium-sized entities. Thank you, Magos. Uh, so let's uh, move on to um, non-notifiable uh, support forms like tax. So what about tax, Andre? We have seen all sorts of tax relief measures quite, uh, quite quickly after the pandemic uh, and the lockdown started. What sort of relief has been made available by governments in CEE? Thank you, Dora. Um, well, during the pandemic, legislation in C countries flourished with many unique solutions to help those who suffer the consequences of COVID-19. From the many solutions governments had to offer, there were relief measures related to tax deadline extension, the retrospective utilization of tax losses, tax, pay tax payments of um, the payments of taxes in installments, waiving sanctions like you know penalties on deferred payments uh, or penal interest, uh, and the implementation of temporary tax-friendly procedures. Did you see any particular trend amongst the relief measures offered across the region? Well, uh, adopting a more systematic approach, we can see three general trends among uh, different measures and solutions implemented by C governments. The first one is extension of tax deadlines relating to payments and filings. Um, this measure comes together with, uh, for instance, waiver of reduction in penalties for late payments, as it has been applied in the Czech Republic, Poland, Serbia, Slovakia, and Ukraine uh, extended deadlines for reporting this famous DAC6 tax schemes, uh, and it has been applied in the Czech Republic and in Poland. Um, what else? I think, like in Greece, refund of advanced payments, or uh, this is also quite unique, deferral of VAT liabilities in Croatia and, and Greece. It's quite unique because it very rarely applies to uh, VAT or um, reduction of in social secu security contributions in Hungary. And the second um, is amendments to the VAT and other indirect taxes. Uh, this measure is specifically important to many taxpayers because it is uh, connected with consumption and the use of epidemic-related goods and services. And these are waiver of VAT on supplies of basic personal protection equipment like face masks, uh, respirators, uh, to public institutions, that's very important, to public institutions. And this has been applied in the Czech Republic and in Poland, in Serbia, in Slovenia. Uh, also reduction in VAT on certain anti-COVID products like masks, gloves, antiseptic liquids, uh, wipes, uh, in Greece from 24 to 6%, very significant drop down. Uh, or uh, as in Greece or Hungary, accelerated VAT refunds. And the last one, uh, very particular, uh, these are amendments to the tax regulations, to the tax audit uh, regulations in particular. Uh, these measures apply in two forms. Uh, first is suspension of hearing in administrative proceedings, like in Albania, Serbia, also in Poland, but this has been already re repealed or interruption of ongoing tax audits like um, in Slovakia, Ukraine. Thank you. So uh, have some countries taken some opposite directions and actually introduced no taxes? Well, that, that, that's an interesting question. Well, governments try to meet taxpayers halfway by helping taxpayers who are in trouble due to the consequences of the pandemic. 
but as government, they also collect additional funds from from others. For instance, uh, an additional tax on financial institutions in Hungary, um, uh, a retail tax in Hungary, and uh, the planned so-called Netflix tax uh, in Poland. This this generally leads to the introduction of many detailed regulations. Is there anything unique or particularly notable you've noticed in any of the countries? Well, yes. I mean, for instance, the mentioned 1.5 Netflix tax proposed in Poland and the additional retail tax uh, in Hungary, but also um, bonuses for the prompt payments of taxes. This is quite unusual. A 5% discount in Bulgaria and Romania. Uh, Poland has introduced new fiscal e-receipts. The idea has been developed and you know, considered for a while, but due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has been released um, uh, recently. Uh, but also so-called Estonian uh, corporate income tax proposed in Poland. Um, this is an, a concept under which uh, companies do not pay their corporate income tax for a certain period of time, provided they do not pay out profits. Um, the Czech Republic proposed a reduction in VAT rate from 15 to 10 percent for tourism. And similarly, Hungary has suspended its tourist tax on overnight uh, stays. Mm, some countries have accelerated refunds, for instance, of um, income tax and VAT. Uh, and this has been, for instance, applied in, in Greece. Another form of relief is actually arriving from financial institutions, Mark. Uh, we have seen uh, that financial institutions responding quickly to the outbreak and actually offering some temporary relief. Uh, which are these institutions that are making this sort of resilience financing available? And uh, are there any main focus areas for the support? Thanks, Dora. It is indeed called resilience financing. And what we've seen develop quite quickly in the region uh, is a resilience framework specifically designed to support companies, borrowers who are struggling to repay their existing debt. Uh, the European Investment Bank, being a multilateral European entity and an arm of the European Union, is one such entity. And also EBRD, the well-known development bank that has for a long time invested in both equity and debt in CE and beyond, are examples of the leaders in this area to have very quickly developed such packages. And such packages tend to involve an accelerated credit process, uh, increased availability of capital to borrowers who are struggling, more friendly terms uh, in terms of this additional debt, really focused on quick execution and trying to provide the necessary funds to borrowers that are experiencing financial difficulty so that the situation doesn't become worse for them. As far as sectors are concerned, this program began focusing understandably on core sectors such as agriculture or manufacturing of core products. But in recent times, we've seen that it has expanded beyond core areas, including perhaps non-essential household goods and other areas. So I think in general, the program is pretty sector agnostic and is really more focused on supporting any eligible company with their current financial difficulties. We also saw the the introduction of uh, loan repayment payment holidays um, to support the liquidity of companies across the region. Uh, how this, how has this been approached um, in your view? CE governments, and when I mean CE, I have a pretty broad definition extending all the way from Austria to Russia and Ukraine. They were pretty quick off the mark 
in introducing statutory moratoria. And pretty much on the whole, these took the form of a three-month standstill on all loan repayments, payments of interest and other fees, and a prevention of creditors taking any acceleration or default action or petitioning for the insolvency of such companies. So in general, a three-month pause on financial arrangements between borrowers and lenders. It isn't in every case a three-month situation, and I think it's quite an interesting pointer to the particular economic outlook and strategy of uh, individual countries in CE. For example, while, as I said, the majority have a three-month period, Hungary decided to put the moratorium in place through to the end of 2020, and Poland, for example, had a much more robust view and didn't introduce any kind of moratorium at all, and instead relied on the existing provisions of Polish law that may help borrowers in difficulty in terms of protecting them from abusive rights of contractual relationships or facing excessive difficulties brought on by extraordinary circumstances such as pandemics. But in general, it has been a, a three-month window. The time at which it started varies from country to country. In some countries, it is about to or has already come to an end. And on the whole, it was an opt-in program. So in a few cases, borrowers who were more confident about their financial position decided not to opt in. But generally, what we've seen across the region is the majority of borrowers opting in. It also differs from country to country as to whether it affects foreign loans, and that can be broken down into loans by foreign lenders into the country or loans governed by foreign law into the country, for example, English law. Again, this varies by country to country, but the overriding principle has been one of a territorial view. And therefore, clearly, loans under the governing law of the country provided by banks resident in or having branches in that country are caught. In some cases, loans um, to a borrower in a particular country um, are, are not caught because they are governed by foreign law. But in other cases, they are because the territorial principle is applied more strictly. So what happens after uh, these standstill regulations come to an end? Because we are now fourth month into uh, the lockdowns and handling the pandemic. Are we seeing extensions? As uh, you mentioned, that some countries are already past uh, the standstill uh, regulations. Or are the banks now expecting also um, the lenders uh, to uh, come back to what we call the new normal? How will the new normal be looking like? As you rightly say, this is exactly the moment where we are waiting to see what the after effects of these moratoria will be and whether indeed they provided a solution or created a problem. As I mentioned, Slovakia already is out of the moratorium that was put in place by the government that ended at the end of May. Czech Republic is about to come out of its three month period. And in other countries like Romania, where the moratorium was applicable for one to nine months, some Romanian companies will be exiting from from the moratorium decision they made when uh, when they first applied. As yet, uh, we haven't seen uh, the end result. In many cases, uh, the legislation did not stipulate what should happen to the amounts that were not paid in this period, although common sense would tell us they're most likely to be spread out across the remaining payments of the loan. But in some cases, banks may not be happy about that and want to put payments up front. Equally, in cases of more pronounced financial distress, banks may agree and borrowers may ask to back end those payments and delay them to the very end of the term of the loan. But I think it's inevitable, given that the effects of COVID-19 will be longer lasting than purely the three or so months of a moratorium, and the companies will take a little longer to develop, that 
banks and borrowers are going to be having discussions about the current state of their loans, no longer protected by the legislative umbrella of moratorium legislation. And it will bring, unfortunately, some restructurings, I think, across the region. Some of these may be more straightforward in terms of a consensual rescheduling or restructuring of existing debt. Some of these, unfortunately, may lead to more strict circumstances, uh, such as uh, insolvency or the shrinking of those companies. But it remains to be seen as we are right at the moment of, of beginning to understand how the moratoria will affect companies across the region. Thank you, Mark. And uh, over to you, Andre. So what should companies think about now in terms of uh, preparing for when some of the longer te- term tax relief measures start to end um, or deferred payments are due? Well, as you can see, most of these measures are temporary. However, we can also see changes in mindsets, specifically the digitalization of tax. Uh, it is clear that taxpayers face a challenging time, not only in economic terms, but also in adapting to new reality. Uh, well, many forms of tax reliefs require detailed data to be provided to the tax authorities in order to apply them and to benefit from them. Now, more than ever, this data is collected and analyzed in digital form due to lockdowns and required social distancing. Most likely, this will become a long-term trend. Uh, However, in any case, first and foremost, taxpayers should prepare for the forthcoming tax audits, during which the tax authorities will check how the tax reliefs have been used in practice. Magosha, we started with state aid measures, and my last question is also uh, over to you. So how long will these state aid measures last? What is next? Um, COVID-related measures are, by definition, temporary. Um, under the Commission's uh, framework, uh, they are to be granted uh, no later than the end of this year. Uh, also, each of those measures has estimated budget, and that will run out at some point. Uh, there is, of course, the discussion whether coronavirus aid should be prolonged, uh, but it all depends on how the situation um, would evolve. There is also a more general discussion whether the EU rules on competition and state aid should be relaxed, whether there should be any shift in the EU economic model. Uh, but uh, this is much wider discussion and uh, it remains um, to be seen how it will develop in the future. Well, thank you, Margosha. Um, and this ends our first podcast on Talking CEE. I would like to thank to Margosha, Andre, and Mark for joining me and for your contributions today. I hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to having you back with other hot topics from the region. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs>